0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the State Violence Research Network podcast. My name is George Francis Bickers, and I'm the co-convener of the SVRN. Today, I am joined um, in on the third day, I think it is now, of coronavirus lockdown. I'm joined by uh, Simone Tulumelo, um, who's an academic who's currently in Lisbon. Simone, welcome to the podcast.
1: It's great to have you here. Hi, George. Thank you for having me. It's, it's great to be on, on the podcast and on the network. So, thank Oh, you.
0: absolute pleasure. Um,
1: so Simone, before
0: we get started on, the, um, on, on what we're going to be talking about today, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became aware of the network. Obviously, you're one of our network members and we're happy to have you. But if you could just tell, tell our listeners how you got involved with the network, that'd be great.
1: Oh well, I I don't actually remember where and when I first see about the network. I think it was when you thought about launching it and you created the the blog and I started seeing what was there and and the plans of the network. It seemed very interesting. You know, I've always been interested in issues of urban fear, security policies, etc. I thought it was a great a great space. You know, for putting together people working on different, but at the same time, similar topics. So I think it's 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 one year or so then I asked you, well, how can I be part of it?
0: Well, I mean, we're thrilled to have you involved. I've been, I know, you know, because I'm a kind of, I suppose let's call myself a part-time urbanist myself. It's urbanism is something that really comes into my own research. And it was really nice to, you were someone whose research I've been following kind of personally and professionally. And it was, I remember getting your membership, um, membership notification through, and I was like, yeah, no, this is great. It's kind of hitting out to people that I, you know, that I admire professionally and personally, and it's, it's really great to have you here on the podcast with us.
1: Well, that's,
0: that's great. i mean, hearing something so nice. yeah, Yeah. It's always a pleasure. Um, So today I asked you to, um, same as we normally do, obviously the podcast is about um, speaking to people who are studying state violence, who are interested in it, who are struggling against it. Um, and I asked you to send me over some some notes because it, obviously it's help, helpful for me to do some preparation um, before I start speaking mm-hmm. to people. And what you've sent me is 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 really really interesting and is particularly relevant in the current global climate. Multiple countries on lockdown in Europe and in Asia, mm-hmm. and obviously your work on urban security and urban politics full stop and and kind of security apparatuses is, is really really permanent. Um, really really pertinent to to the current situation. And in the show notes, you sent me over some really, really interesting stuff. Um, So I wonder if Mm. we can get started. You said to me that you've been trying to develop um, a proposal for a critique capable of setting the grounds for a new theorization of security, and that the thing that you've picked out of that is what you call a critique of the ethics of balance. So I was wondering if you could speak to us a little bit before we kind of get started in earnest about what you mean yeah. by that term ethics mm-hmm. and balance and how how it's kind of apl- uh, uh, how it um, intersects with questions of state violence
1: yeah sure with pleasure so well my my, my approach to to this issue of you know the balance between uh, security and other rights is uh, really influenced by by the work of mark neoclus is uh, mm-hmm. a political theorist i don't remember now in what university he is he is in the uk and he's been working on this um, uh, on, on security, you know, on criticizing security. He has a beautiful book, Critic of Security, of 2008. And basically, his core argument is that security is the central concept of liberalism. Uh, this may seem, you know, a bit uh, strange at first because we tend to associate liberalism with, with liberty, with with freedom, while, you know, security would be more, you know, the, the power view of Hobbes or or whatever but yeah. he has a very compelling argument on the fact that all the theorists of liberalism but also all you know the institutional documents and instruments developed in, in lining you know, on the de- liberal democracies ultimately al- always recur to security when there is a risk that the system, the order is put under under strain. So his yeah. argument is precisely the idea that security, which is not the security of the people per se, but the security of the liberal order, is at the mm-hmm. core of liberalist, of liberal thinking. And that's why eventually liberal systems often end up making alliances with with fascists when, when the yeah, system is yeah. risking to, to balance. And one dimension of, of this uh, of Marx's uh, argument is precisely done by looking at this myth is called he calls uh, of of the balance I mean uh, among uh, different rights when mm-hmm. security is uh, is part of it and you know there are many liberal thinkers you know one of them that maybe the most evident is Ignacev, you know with this book the 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 lesser evil he is one of the Bigger proponents of this idea that when there is security, it's always important to balancing with other rights and you know, giving up some some freedoms in order to ensure security because security is crucial in order to have all the other freedoms. And so Neoglus he has a beautiful article. I, I, I don't remember now the paper, but no, in his book he has a version of it precisely on the myth of of the balance and he deconstructs this idea that there is a balance which is which moves. But his argument is that liberal thinkers and institutions always then end up pushing towards security because security, which is a right in a way, but is a right which is quite peculiar and wants more and more. So, but I think the limit of the, the critique of uh, by Neoclus is precisely that he ends up giving up security, saying, okay, security is a liberal concept. It cannot be saved because it is uh, just an instrument for, of state power, of state violence, etc. <laughs> so we have to give it up. And I think that is a bit problematic because other fields, you know, of thinking, feminism with the ethics of care, for instance. But, you know, I also think about Belux and their idea of the home as a space of security, after all, of safety, where yeah, yeah. black Americans are not subject to the violence, to white violence, is an important instrument to to preparing, you know, to, to changing things. So that's why I think it's it, uh, and I've been trying uh, for f- during the last few years in a work that has been very slow. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think I I brought I the first notes for this article, which is now uh, the going peer review in 2015 or something. So it's. Is still there i've been talking about it with some colleagues and friends and so my idea was okay let's start from this deconstruction and then try to offer a different approach for security and there we you know that's that's the, the approach i'm trying to develop is much based on on ideas of conflict on security as a dynamic process of conflict among different visions of the world etc pretty much influenced by chantal Mouffe but also uh, by post-colonial thinking, feminist ethics of care, etc., etc. But, yeah, in in terms of what we were trying to discuss today, I think the most important part of it is is precisely this dimension of the the balance, of the problem of the balance, which is never so obvious as it's solved. Because, and, you know, when I was thinking about what what we should talk about today, we seem to be precisely... in in a situation of that of that kind, where there yes, is yeah. this pandemic state that calls for health, which in part is health is security in a way, yeah, right? Yeah. And so obviously there is some balance to be stricken between the need to protect uh, the society from for, from the pandemia and a number of rights that need to be curtailed, and I mean the. the I believe that it's important in this moment, for instance, reducing significantly the, the the freedom of movement of people, because otherwise we would be giving up uh, the weakest pieces of our society, and we we could get in, in into that.
0: Well, there's, I mean, so there's, I mean, what you said is 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 fascinating, and there's there's lots of loads of really interesting things for me to pick up on this. So mm-hmm, maybe yeah. if we could dial back a little bit, like to your. Overall yeah. point, your overall framework about security and the and and the, and liberalism's role or or, or security's yeah. role within liberalism is really really interesting. So in my own research, one of the things mm-hmm. I look at is is social movements and urban activism and particularly acts of occupation and how how occupation challenges. Um, the state's imaginary of security and um, you know I don't use specifically use the term security but certainly the state's imaginary of its own role right and you come Mm out, you came out and said that um, the point of the balance is is that you know there has to be a balance between the rights that we expect under a liberal democracy so the freedom of association the freedom of movement Uh the right to self-determination etc versus the security of and what was really interesting is what you said, is it not of the people, but of the state system itself, right?
1: Uh-huh.
0: And so yeah. when you said that, I was put in mind of um, Louis Althusser's theories on the state when he comes out and says, well, what you have is um, the state apparatus and the state... F- uh, sorry, you have um, state power and the state form. And actually, it's, mm-hmm. it's ultimately... The suggestion that seems to be coming across from you and what I picked up on is that actually security is not about protecting the people, but is and actually in, in a, to a degree as well is not even about protecting the state apparatus or state power, mm. but the form of the state itself. Right? That ultimately the state mm-hmm. doesn't care who who is in power as long as the state itself continues to exist, and so security becomes a means. Uh, and an opportunistic means in times like this of the state form protecting itself and consolidating on those points of weakness within its apparatus by saying, oh, well, it's for your own good. It's security. We need to kind of mm. protect these institutions and it protects itself under the guise of protecting the state.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that, that, that's quite an interesting, you know, dichotomy you 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 pulled out, you know, this about the state as a form and the state of, uh, as a... Uh, as an instrument, you know, for for yeah, for organizing society, or as a goal in and on itself. And I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. I I, I, I know where I will position myself in this dichotomy, my understanding of the state. But I mean, my understanding of the state, for instance, is very much influenced by this idea that the state, as we know it, the liberal democratic state of uh, Of Europe and then, you know, the West, which then has somehow been influencing the states throughout the world, Mm -hmm.
0: it
1: it was born in a specific historical period, which was also the historical period of the emergence of the bourgeoisie and Mm -hmm. of capitalism in a way. So it's hard for me to separate the state as we know it from capitalism, especially since it's hard to imagine a state that is not a national state. I, yeah, I, I think yeah. my, my problem is above all with the nation, you know, with the idea that this, this polity, uh, which is the state, needs to be a national at the same time. I was reading this beautiful book by Moral, Moran Mandelbaum. It's called mm-hmm. The National State Fantasy. Then basically use uh, Lacan uh, and the idea of fantasy uh, in order to show how... The idea of state of nation, which now we can hardly separate, that were weren't always, you know, the same thing. And you know, in this yeah. process of consolidation of uh, of the Western state, of the European state, but also of, of of capitalism, you see this this merger, these two things coming together. And so, for me, the problem is the nation, which I believe is uh, intrinsically ethnocentric and <laughs> so racist and based. You know, on uh, on colonialism, etc., etc., which which remains in a way in the present national state. So, in that sense, my critique of the state is a critique of a state as the polity of capitalism, of the emergence of modern uh, capitalism. So, I think mm-hmm. we can imagine different states because, for me, a state without the nation. Is, is a polity, is a level for organizing uh, our common life, right? Mm-hmm. And it can be done in many ways. For instance, I'm I'm still relatively institutionalist. I think we need institutions <laughs> of some sort, and and at different scales. You know, being a, a geographer, I always uh, I'm interested in multiscalar dimensions, You know, that there are things that need to be dealt at many different scales. And yeah. so some leftist ideas, you know, about the idea of abandoning the state and just, you know, cultivating small-scale local democracies is at the same time problematic because the small scale doesn't help us, for instance, redistributing world, et cetera, et cetera. But, but, well, at any rate, I think that the critique of the state, which is what, what Neoclus does, needs to be mm-hmm. done from the perspective of the state as the instrument of of capitalism. And if the state is the instrument of capitalism, then it's inevitable that its first goal will be the protection of of, of the liberal order, which is uh, of private property, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's where yeah. everything else comes, right? and so
0: i mean this is this is interesting in terms of you know what's happening right now right so the idea of the nation state mm-hmm. and of countries especially in europe of countries closing their borders and this is you know this shouldn't be taken to be an endorsement of this but obviously you know europe is a you know you can move freely within europe but try you know good luck getting into it right it's, we have this idea of fortress europa Um, And so like, you know, European countries closing their borders to one another and replicating the situations that people trying to get into Europe are having. So it's like, in a sense, a consolidation of the national of the nation state around its own borders in this moment. But at the same time, Mm. we're still... One of the you know one of the trajectory traje- uh, sorry the trajectories that we've been moving towards is a kind of like a neoliberal neo colonialism right where <clears throat> where prior to you know during uh, I suppose the original colonial period what you had was nations you know nations taking over other nations and and exploiting their resources and in in our current mm. climate you have. That the role of the state in that sense has been taken over by multinational corporations and the state only exists in order to prop up, you know, to, to kind of publicize the risk of those, those corporations while their profit remains private. And so... One mm. of the things I've been seeing a lot of people talking about in this moment is is the specter of disaster capitalism coming back up and mm. how the fact that we are regressing in a way, in some ways we are like, particularly in Europe, we are regressing back to internally closed borders and returning to mm. a kind of earlier version of the nation state. And yet we are still at risk of um, of multinational corporations and their kind of global reach in order to take advantage of the opportunity that something like this pandemic, um, uh, like the opportunity this pandemic affords to them. So I wonder what you think about mm issues like this in terms of security, right? Because one of the things we're always, you know, constantly security is brought up around borders all the time. It's like, um, particularly for those of us in Europe, it's, you know, and in Britain, especially, especially with Brexit mm. going on, it's taking back control of our borders is the thing you hear all the time. And so, and it's, it's based on a security risk, right? And it exploits people's fear. So I wonder how much your research in terms of this, like ethics of balance and the balance between security and rights Um, intersects with this idea of like the current moment of a global pandemic and that potentially being exploited as a disaster under the guise of security?
1: Mm, Wow.
0: (laughs) I know that's (laughs) That's a a huge question.
1: question. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I I think I would like to start uh, in the sense Europe is uh, today is an interesting laboratory for these things precisely because it is this strange multi-policy, which is neither a simple association of states nor a federal system. And yeah. you know, I I have and I, I could start with the critiques of the European Union and you know we will need two hours just for that. But yeah. I mean and I think everybody, you know, most of, of our of your listeners would would agree with the with all the problems that we may pinpoint in Europe. And so I think still it's it's interesting in this moment thinking of what is good of Europe. And for me, what is good of Europe is precisely the potential of transcending the national state, Mm -hmm. of going beyond the national state, which, again, if we agree on what we've been discussing so far, is at the core of of the problem and of the idea of potentially building a polity which is not based on, on, on a net. No. And of course, this is not working on, on many levels and this has been done, as you correctly pointed out, at the cost of shutting Europe in respect to Europe, with the rest of the world. So I'm not yeah. saying, okay, we're going in the right direction, but still there is this this potential, this this vision, in a way, of Mm -hmm. a policy able to transcend the national state. And, of course, the weaknesses of Europe are becoming now even more evident than before. And in the situation in which you have had one one member state, Italy, that was the first to be hit strong by by this pandemia, the first more... Well, it was very fast but still you know we we already forgotten maybe when uh, the president of the european central bank said oh well it's not our business you know to to close on spreads you know basically saying to the to the markets hey guys italy it's it's the problem you know germany yeah, and yeah. france are not being hit. and of course this is just going to be forgotten in a few days because this is not stopping at the borders, and so everything is changing. But that was a perfect representation of all the problems of Europe. And still, at the same time, the spreading of this virus, while it is reinforcing all you know, the borders, you know, people are checking the border between Italy and Austria, etc., etc. But it's calling again, and probably for the last time, to the construction of European solidarity. Mm-hmm. Is it possible? Is it possible? Is this going to happen? I don't know. I, I, I think I, I'm pretty sceptical in the sense that if we weren't able to build up a true European solidarity in good times, it's even harder imagining doing it within this yeah, situation. Yeah, well, under, under a threat, still, yeah. yeah. Yeah, But, you know, and then there is another phase of it, which is, yeah, the, this, the, the, the national states, you know, their first reaction is, okay, let's shut the border. Donald Trump. Mm. First thing he did was let's shut the border. We don't want Europeans here, which is, you know, I mean, that's that's a fun, uh, a strange form of being paid back for the the country that invested <laughs> colonialism. But th- that's another story. <laughs> no, but, but the point is, Trump was shutting down the border while they already knew that the coronavirus was already. Going around in the United States, in, yeah. there were many many focuses. So th- this idea of the of the state that reacts first by shutting the border is this very old idea in a way, which is mm-hmm. not even really coherent with what security is uh, is today. I mean, here we can go even to to Serdar and and to Foucault and their ideas of security as something that needs to guarantee movement. Because if security is the is for the capitalist society, movement of, gold, of goods, of stuff, of money, is crucial to capitalism, yeah. right? So you cannot yeah. imagine a security which is not movement at the same time. And so in this moment, while saying, okay, we, we shut the borders, the national state is somehow not actually answering what will be the requests of present Kabila, But of course, we're in a very complex situation in which, again, the balance becomes not just a myth, but something that needs to be uh, stricken on a daily basis. And here, I mean, I think that the, the example of Italy is, it, it is quite striking. You know, you have Italy, this very weak government in this moment, right? You know, this... Mm-hmm. Um, coalition between the center-left party and the populist five-star movements, which was a very government, not really capable of doing many things because of internal conflicts, because there are not many very good politicians uh, there. But in fact, maybe also because of that, they are reacting in a more, uh, I would say, more fluid way, adjusting, mm-hmm. you know, Day after day, there's been, you know, this sequence of decrease that started closing up, you know, increasing uh, the limitations of women, etc., which in a way maybe has been the best way to deal with this thing, you know, starting to build up some defences, But and that's one of the things. They basically never said, we're going to shut the borders because yeah. they knew this wasn't of borders. And okay, I, I don't want to, to, to seem like I'm I'm saying good things of the Italian government, because it's definitely <laughs> not the type of government I would like to have. But it's interesting. And yeah, as I was thinking, and then you have Boris Johnson that says, okay, we're going to do the totally opposite way. Of course, he's yeah. not yeah. doing that. You know, this idea of the herd immunity, now we, we found out, you know, there's been a recent uh, press uh, release that say, oh, well, actually, our projections were considered for, on which we were justifying this health immunity approach were based on uh, data that say that you will need half the critical care units that you actually need, so we yeah, were wrong, yeah. so we're not yeah. doing this. But, you know, in that couple of days in which you had Boris Johnson say, okay, the important in saving the economy, we cannot give up all our freedoms to, to stop this virus, you have had, you know, this... this. Well, Europe in this moment, UK is Europe or not, but you still, in a way, it's, it's Europe, was the the place of this social experiment of two very different trajectories. Mm. And then you could imagine, you can imagine a you know, projected future in which you see the two countries, Italy and the UK, and then all the others in between, trying to, 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 to have these different things. And, you know, but yeah, Boris Johnson is... I mean, he is a fascist. That's not not a not problem saying that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so his idea is, well, after all, who's going to die is the, the elderly and the weak. So yeah. whatever, we can live without that. And if we are the only European country that doesn't stop, we're going to make lots of money. So again, absolutely not defending Johnson. But his action forced us to think on what it means of shutting, shutting down countries i mean like in these days uh, well in 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 the social networks of course it's crazy and being like a migrant myself i i i I, i'm connected with people in italy with people in portugal but also in the us where i live and you see different moments in time of this of this thing right because you have italy shutting down first then the other countries and so you, you see the things repeating at different moments like and and, and, and being in, in in this condition, you see you know, all these different reactions, uh which were deeply influenced in my opinion, then by you know this, this claim by by Bojo. You know, we're gonna go mm-hmm. all the way defending the the economy. And so yeah, it's it's a very interesting time in this sense because it forces us to think about it. And what does it think that 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 need to be said, which is, uh, I think, important. And it may be a bit problematic in a way because it's a fact, uh, the few we know about about this uh, this disease, that it mostly kills people who are already weak uh, yeah. physically, you know, like uh, elderly and above all, persons with pre-existing conditions, I they be saying in the United States. And so that's, you know, it's not about defending the society per se, it's about defending some specific sectors of the society which are weak in the face of this disease. And in a way, I think it's 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 good to know that we are willing to screw up our economy to defend a sector of our society which is weak in this moment. I'm very happy about this, right? But at the same time, it's important that we remember this. And for instance, I believe that one of the ways forwards is to defend, for instance, the economy, which in a capitalist system means defending people, because if you have Mm -hmm. a collapse of the economy in a capitalist system, it's not the rich we're going to starve. So that's important to to keep in mind. So this definitely calls for trying to rebalance this imbalance that we're building. And I mean, like someone is eventually starting to talk about the need to uh, a wealth tax in Italy. And I mean, I really believe that it's important not to only deal with it through debt, not because the problem is that people say, but because it's important to redistribute in this very moment. And in fact, given the last decades of concentration of wealth in the older uh, groups of the society, it would be also a way to build up an inter- intergenerational solidarity, which is exactly what we are doing while we're shutting up the countries to defend the elderly, And so that's why there is a lot, you know, of, of dimensions which intersect, and which of course I'm not in the position to say, okay, this is the best balance that we need to yeah. strike, because you need virologists You need economists. Well, good economists, not economists that (laughs) tend to dominate. And, but I mean, I think that the contribution of those who think through security can be precisely this. Wait, anything you do in this moment, you're going to strike some problematic balance. You're going to give up something. And so you have to open up beyond just looking, okay, shut everything down, save us from, from the virus.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, this is, I mean, so coming, coming towards the kind of time that we have today, it's been really, really interesting hearing Mm -hmm. you talk about this. I suppose I've got one more kind of, I say a brief question. I'm sure, again, we could talk for hours about this, but my, my, my kind of, um, I think my concern as someone who, studies state violence who is who you know is 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 involved in activism around it and it you know has a concern for other people my my one of my real worries and I know is a worry about a lot of other people is <clears throat> especially in Boris Johnson's response and Trump's response versus the responses of places like Italy and Spain on the surface Italy and Spain's responses look to be more draconian, right? It's stay in your house, Mm. fill in a form if you want to come out. The police are going to be at um, at, at, um, supermarkets and, and on the streets checking that, you know, cafes and pubs are closed and stuff. Whereas the UK... And the U.S.'s response is far more kind of laissez-faire. You know, oh, we're advising you not to go out. We're advising this. We're advising mm-hmm. that. But the the worry that this has is that the UK and the US are also the countries. Well, I mean, in in, in my experience at least, they're also the countries with the far more draconian um, police regimes. And so, mm, yeah. as, as part you know, as part of this broader state and security app- apparatus. So, my I suppose as a kind of final point is. What is there we can do as researchers and as people that are interested in this? What is there we can do to make sure that this, that the opportunity, and I hate to put it this way, but the, the opportunity that the current pandemic offers the state to beef up its security apparatus, what is there we mm. can do to hold that to account? What is there we can do to struggle against that in a period of, you know, of panic for a lot of people? You know, we're looking at, you know, mm. the millions dead globally, potentially, what is there we can do to fight off the beefing up of a repressive security apparatus, particularly through increased policing? This was the short question, right? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, as, as much as I can yeah. try and get it, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, in the sense short, in the sense that it's it's probably the, the most complicated of the things. Yeah, of because, course. Because, yeah, it's, it, it's relatively easy to see these things unfolding and how they challenge our own understanding, you know, of, of these things in a way, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, in this moment, the more draconian policies are put in place in places that are actually trying to protect the weak, yeah, yeah. while the more liberal, so to speak, approaches are based on the idea that there are some bodies that, that are disposable, right? Yeah, expendable. So, people, and this right. really problematizes our understanding of these things. And I would say calls. in in, in a theoretical dimension yet to never give up security in the sense that there is always a dimension of security which is crucial for our common living together. So Mm -hmm. one of the things that we need to do as critical scholars is not just denouncing the problems of state security but also trying to offer different approaches to security in exchange and I mean, if you say how what we can do beyond, you know, theorizing in this moment, well, it's probably always the same thing. We, we we should try to be local and global at the same time because I uh-huh. think there is many things we can do at the small level, the local level, with the ne- with our neighbors you know, like building, you know, not, not neighborhood solidarity, but even, you know, condominium solidarity, dwelling yeah, solidarity yeah. in this moment. Is there an elderly in your flat, in your dwelling, that will need someone to pick up their groceries? You know, at a very small scale, because we cannot get out in the street and gather and organize. And this is, for instance, a thing I, I'm also involved in housing movements here mm-hmm. in Lisbon. And they are really struggling on how to keep the fights going in this very moment. Housing, I mean, like we're talking about self-quarantining. Well, you need a house, you need a decent house to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you need food security, and you need yeah, yeah. groups around you who can ensure this stuff. We have the same thing over here in Manchester. There's a, I mean, there's yeah. a kind of global global renters union now called Acorn, and they uh-huh. have an infrastructure in place already, and it's trying to make sure that union members, renters union members, and those who are insecurely housed can 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 actually follow this kind of public health advice, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's crucial. And for instance, wh- one thing that has been done here was calling for a halt of evictions. Yeah, and yeah. apparently, you know, the municipality here in Lisbon, which was uh, the evicting people squatting public housing, abandoned public housing, has just decided that it's going to halt. And that's a, a small but very important victory. Yeah. But then yeah. at the same time, and we come back to, to that risk, you know, of falling in the trap of of localism. This is a moment in which we really had to dialogue internationally. I mean, in the same way, governments in Europe are learning from Italy because they have like two weeks of advantage in a way. You know, yeah. they see what Italy is doing, what are the efforts, and they can adjust. You know, bad for Italy, but good for, for Europe, you know, for, for, uh, for other countries. I think it's also important in this moment that we try to to think at the bigger scale? How can we build international networks of of solidarity in the face of this, of the scale of the problem? Because, I mean, even in the sense, it's quite likely that, you know, this is going to start to be resolved in a few weeks or a few months. But it's not going to be the same everywhere. There's going to be countries where vaccines are going to be available sooner. You know, Trump was trying to get the vaccine for, for the United yeah. States, right? Fortunately, we still have some some civic sense in Europe, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> in that sense. But that's going to happen nonetheless, you know, even practically, because when you develop a vaccine before you have like 7 billion doses ready, it, it, it takes
0: some time. And so and we're about to transition, we... we're going to transition into summer here, but into winter in the global south as well, in the southern hemisphere. Yeah, and, You know, yeah. one of the things, you know, like South America, largely untouched at the moment, but because most of South America is in summer at the, at the current time.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know, and with regard to what this means for the prepping up of the security state, well, this is going to be like in 2001 again. You know, many things are being done some of which are are meaningful this time, differently Mm -hmm. from 2001. You know, I think this is important. You know, many of the things that are happening now, they are much more justified than they were in 2001, you know, after the terrorist attacks, because this is a much more concrete challenge, right? But of course, as we know, you know, it always happens that you have some instruments put in place during emergency times that then somehow remain in place, afterwards, and yeah, the afterwards yeah, yeah. is going to be huge, and it's going to be huge for a number of reasons, because there's going to be more police state there's going to be more poverty there's going to be recession and all the consequences, maybe one of the mm-hmm. things we can learn from is that we had another economic crisis just 10 years ago, and people remind me yeah, that. yeah, and people are, are now much more ready to understand what austerity means, you know, like the spread of populism with all its problem, still it's witness of the fact that there is some understanding of what mm-hmm. austerity has meant. Uh, at least in my opinion, that's, uh, that's a wrong answer to, to a correct question in a way, which then was uh, not subsumed by racism, etc. but it happened because there were the social economic conditions and so maybe the fact that we have a better memory of the closer period in time of deep austerity measures may help us fight back once this is over. And yeah, I mean, what should we do as, as, as scholars? I mean, that's one of the things I think, you know, a, a scholar needs to be an activist and an activist needs to be a scholar Absolutely. always. Absolutely, I you know, couldn't agree more. And moving in the two fields is for me crucial both to producing knowledge and to contributing changing things.
0: That's well, I mean, I think that's a perfect point to end really, uh, Simone. That was, I mean, it gives me, it, it. What from what you've been saying, it sounds to me that coming from the kind of anarchist perspective that I come from is is you're talking about local and global mutual aid, right? That the way we mm-hmm, survive yeah. this and the way we then hold the state to account is by relying upon each other, and setting up our own solidarity networks. And and you know, the SVRN kind of tries to function on that means. It's, you know, it's run by, you know, those of us that like to call ourselves activist academics as much as you can ever can be. And so hearing you speak today about this and having someone who's an expert on security and, and securitization, especially at a time like this, has been really, really important. I just want to thank you again for coming
1: to speak to us today. I, I, I'm very grateful for, for, for this opportunity to reflect, you know, on these things, you know, for having, you know, this fastest approach to, to new things through all the ideas. Uh, it's important. And that's why I also think that, you know, the, the building up of a, of a podcast is exactly important for that goal of putting together uh, theory and activism. So thank you for the opportunity.
0: Absolute pleasure, Simone. Um, so just before I sign off, would you like to tell us, um, tell our listeners where they can find you online? If you've got anything, any research coming up, a website, Twitter accounts or anything we can find you at? Uh,
1: sure thing. Well, you can find my institutional page uh, with my name, Simone Tulumello, on my institute's uh, webpage, which is the Institute of Social Sciences of the University of Lisbon. I also tweet, I tweet quite a lot, but not necessarily in an interesting way on Simplum, <laughs> S-I-M-T-U-L-U-M. That's, you know, the, the, the pros and cons of social of course, networks. Of course. Yeah. That's the best way to, to chat in this fast. Uh, days, definitely.
0: Well, I will make sure um, that we share those links out. And um, thank you once again for coming to speak to us. For everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the uh, State Violence Research Network podcast. If you want to um, find us online, you can go to our website, which is uh, stateviolenceresearchnetwork.co.uk. You can also find us on Twitter at State Violence RN. Uh, these podcasts are available on SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com forward slash stateviolencern. And you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Um, we, Our conference coming up. Obviously, we had the conference coming up in person in Manchester between the 8th and 10th of April, uh, 2020. However, obviously due to the pandemic, we've had um, moved the conference online. Um, so f- for more information about that, you can find a blog about it on our website. Um, if you would con- like to consider becoming a member, you can also go to our website. Membership is free now and always. Um, the network is committed to its openness and accessibility. If you'd like to support the network financially, you can find us on Patreon, which is P dot com forward slash state violence research network so from me george francis bickers and all of the svrn thank you for listening and we'll see you again next time